Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, when toasters fight. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm here with my good friend, Pete Wright, as always. Pete. Hi, Seth. We're just going to talk about how to change the dynamic. We're going to change the power in the relationship. The buttons are no longer going to work when they try to push them. That's what we're doing today. That that seems like a very uh, a grand idea. I can't wait to hear how you manage to do this. I I feel like we've talked a lot about um, you know relationships, uh, making relationships great after divorce. You know all of these divorces that are really, um, you know, I, I don't want to say happy, but at least they're constructive. Would you agree? They redefine. Yes, we've talked about redefining your relationship in a way that doesn't is not destructive. Yeah. And I know people are out there thinking, yeah. So those Great are for them. <laughs> rainbows and unicorns. Um, yeah. And little fairies flying around. I would love to have that relationship, but my spouse is not capable of having that relationship. Yeah. Because here's all the crazy thing he or she says to me, right? Like, I don't care about the money. You'll get nothing. If you don't sign this agreement without talking to a lawyer, then when you talk to a lawyer, I'll burn it all down. Or you'll get, you know, this is the best deal you're ever going to have. I'm going to take it back. And um, you're a terrible mother. I can't believe, or, or, mm, you know, are the children even really mine? Uh, Right. Really, really destructive uh, kinds of conversations. Not only are they destructive. When I hear these types of comments coming from the other side, and here's how it comes to me, Seth, potential client will say, how do you deal with a narcissist? Because my guy is the worst guy. And I say, first off, if I had a dollar for every time a client said that their spouse was a narcissist, I'd be long retired by now. Yeah. It's amazing to me how many relationships start loving and caring, and three years later, oh my God, they're a narcissist, okay? And the reason why, I'm not saying they are or not, it's a psychological term that is very narrow. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't matter to me whether they're classified as one or not. What I suggest to people and how to deal with people with those types of personalities or those types of communications is very simple. Do nothing. Less is more. Well, I, okay, I need you to be real specific about that. What does do nothing mean? It means just stay in the house, in the relationship, assuming, again, that you don't feel like you're in any physical danger. Um, what does that look like? No, you want to go through a divorce. You've reached your end. You're going to move forward. That's not what yeah. I'm talking about. Okay. So, Pete, you have friends. They've told you about the divorces. They say crazy stuff that their exes say. Do you have any examples or make one up? Yeah, well, I mean, one that immediately comes to mind is, um, you know, a spouse that is using uh, their phone, their text message, uh, texting their spouse really horrible things. 
and under the guise of, oh, it's not important, it's just a text. But they're horrible things, horrible names, profanity, um, you know, accusations that are just absolutely not true, uh, but they're just really horrible things and it's continuous and never seems to never seems to change okay so the person that's sending the texts Mm -hmm. if you're that person listening out here stop texting go buy a hammer and break your thumbs don't (laughs) do it okay If you're the I, person, I expected you to break the phone, but the thumbs, <laughs> I appreciate you going to the source. Yeah, that the phone is not the problem. <laughs> right, right, right. The person receiving the texts or someone blowing up their phone or all of that, remember a couple things. One, the reason you have a cell phone is for your convenience and nobody else's. Check the text once a day. You, I know, ding, you got a text waiting, ding, you want to look at the whole thing, have some self-control, be like, I know this is crazy, crazy's calling, I'm going to do that a little later, I'm going to do it when I'm not driving, never text while driving to everybody, but I'm not going to do it around the kids, I'm going to wait till after the kids are in bed, and then I'm going to read them all at once, okay, and especially if you have kids and the kids are with you, this is not an emergency, The children are with you. Focus on your kids, not on the crazy. Okay. Okay? Then you read the text, and it says, you're a horrible person. You're terrible. I can't believe that you're doing X, Y, and Z. There's nothing constructive in that text. Don't respond. What what do you do with the text, though, from your perspective as a divorce attorney? What do I do with that text in trial? Yeah. What do you advise your clients to do with those texts as they come through? Save them. Save them? Yep. Because this is the question I'm going to ask in trial. Sir, do you think this is an appropriate way to communicate with your co-parent? It's a hard question to answer when you're staring at it. Probably on a big big poster board, right? You blow it up nice and big. Yeah. Don't even have to because all I'm doing, the, the smart answer, which they never give, is no, I do not. Yeah. And then right. stop talking. And then stop talking. Right. But, well, I was, instead, it's going to be in, in why, the qu- question why um, is a question I rarely ask in trial unless I want, I'm baiting somebody. And I'll be like, well, why did you send that? Because here comes the blame. Here comes the excuses. Here comes this, right? Oh, I was just so angry. Are you unable to control yourself when you're that angry? Like, it just leads to it, right? Okay. So when you're receiving these texts, one thing is, awesome. (laughs) Look at what I can show to my lawyer. Not to show that he's such a bad guy, because judges get tired of text messages, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. But it's really, what can your lawyer do with that text? It opens the door to all those parenting factors that we talk about all the time, okay? Now, don't worry about it for litigation purposes for this, because when you're going through this, the last thing you're thinking about is, oh, how is this going to play out in a trial? That's just how my mind works. But in the meantime, what in that is worthy of a response? Yeah, probably nothing. So if I texted that same person those same words, it would have no impact on them because they don't know me. 
right? So you have to almost treat the person there like you don't know them. And they know how to push your buttons. You've mm-hmm. been married to them. They know where to go. But when you don't respond the way they expect you to, they freak out. Well, and that's baiting. It's the same thing you were just talking about. I mean, they're just baiting each other, right, by sending these kinds of divisive and, and destructive messages. Can we can we talk for a minute about just the word fighting? Does fighting have any sort of legal connotation that we need to understand as you as you're working through a divorce process? If someone tells me that they're fighting, my question is, is there physical violence? Okay. Okay. If you're arguing and yelling at each other, I'm going to ask, is that in front of the kids? Okay. Uh, are you bickering? Right? Like, arguments have levels, right? We had a little spat. You know, we were bickering. We got in a big fight. There was violence. Boom, that's a big line. Yeah, there's sand. a fork, right, in the conversation. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay, that's how I kind of look at that. But... I'm really focused on responding to these texts, not reacting. And the difference between reaction and response in my mind, reaction is without thought. Responding is with thought. So let's say there's a long text berating you for something. It doesn't matter whether it's true or not. We're not going to get into a texting war on this because otherwise I'm going to advise you to go to Home Depot, get a hammer and break your thumbs. <laughs> break your right? thumbs, right. So what we should do is actually think about it, read it, goes on and on and on. And there's a little sliver in there about summer camp for kids. Yeah, and buy eggs. Right. So let's just respond to that. Always, and this sounds crazy, thank you for your text. Wait, wait a minute. Why? What are you doing here? I'm saying you text back. Thank you for your text. I really do think it's important to figure out summer camps. Because you took that whole thing and weeded through it. Yeah. You thank them for it, which is going to immediately throw them off. And then you're saying, yeah, I do think we need to think about summer camps. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, okay. And it's hard without specific examples, right? But let me give you some examples that were just classics that I've I've heard, okay? Yeah, sure. Oh, let's just do a hypothetical. Husband is texting just awful things to the wife, right? Mm-hmm. And then finally the wife says, I've heard all this before. Can you come up with any new material? Now, it's really funny. Mm, yeah, it's funny. It sure is funny for a podcast. Right. But it's right. not going to play well in court, right? <laughs> yeah. So anything like that is either don't respond or I don't believe this is constructive for helping us co-parent. That's why I, I wanted to go down this road of, of what is fighting, right? Because there is this sort of overt fighting, yelling and screaming at each other, calling each other names uh, in front of the kids or not in front of the kids, whatever it is, it's not doing you any service for the, your post-divorce life together, um, right? It's just generally bad vibe, scream, yell, bicker, whatever you want to call it. And then there's the subversive, passive-aggressive fighting. When you have uh, that bit of, like, when you're able to grab that great one-liner as a response to a stupid text uh, and you use it you're just getting down in the mud, right? You're just doing the same thing they're doing. You're baiting back 
And that's yes. just as destructive. I, I, absolutely. Right? I mean, absolutely. It really blows people mind when they hear me say, don't respond. They're like, what? And I'm like, what good is going to come of you responding? Are they try- they're trying to manipulate you. Are they playing mind games with you? Are they pushing your buttons, which they know how to do because you've been married? And they expect exactly, they know what you're going to do, right? They, you guys have been in this dynamic before. And until you change the dynamic, you don't change the power structure. You get power by doing nothing. Because they're used to you responding in a certain way. They're used to getting their way out of you in all sorts of forms of manipulation, control, and power over your previous relationship. And they're good at it. So you are the one that's in control. And you have to respond, not react to what they're doing and change your behavior. And then things get remarkably different. And that looks like what? I can imagine that can be very triggering for the the emotionally abusive partner. Right. When you say something like, Thanks for the text. Yeah. Right. That that's right. that's an inappropriate text message. Right. Thank you. I will for pick the text. up the eggs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. No, but what I mean by it is if you just simply say something to the effect of I'm not gonna argue with you. They like the engagement. They want the argument. That's what this is about, right? And then it goes on and on. Oh, you're too scared. You're this, you're that. It's this name calling, right? No need to respond. Well, in large part, I imagine too, because you've reached that point where you feel like, I am I know that we're going to go down the road of separation and divorce. And the truth is, how empowering is it when you look at an abusive, emotionally abusive, verbally abusive spouse and say, I'm finished arguing with you. I'm finished. Right. I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. And then like, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, we're going to litigate it in court. Okay. Okay is such a great word, right? Because in text, it doesn't have the connotation. Okay. Okay. Right? It's all about tone with okay. Right, right, right. right. You don't have that. So I really think and I know I keep saying this over, respond, don't react, respond, don't react. I'm telling you, when you receive these texts, think about your response and what your objective is in that response. Think about, do you want to get into a fight with them? If you do, respond back, have at it, right? If you want to only focus on the kids and say something to the effect of, thank you for your text, and you pull out the one part about the kid issue, and then you start a new dialogue about that, great. If there's nothing about the kids, just say, thanks for your text, but I'm no longer going to argue with you. If you just choose not to respond, that really freaks these guys out. And I kind of place it on the guys. It it goes both ways, right? I I just want to transition a a little bit because, uh, you know, what we're talking about is like the escalating sort of theater of uh, either aggression or passive aggression that's going on in in your communication. How do you make the transition to, you know, uh, uh, constructively moving apart from that? Because what I imagine and the example that's in my 
head of the that that I'm kind of thinking through as we talk about this is there's a lot of fear and you made the comment as we started that there's a lot of power there's a, an out of balance power dynamic in the relationship and uh saying things like you know if you go get an attorney the deal's off the table saying things like those kinds of things when you're still living together you know there is verbal and emotional abuse going on you're terrified to make any move to call an attorney to do the things that you know you need to do to protect yourself and your well-being post-divorce, how do you transition? Not just post-divorce, but during the actual Dur- moment of the sure. divorce, right? Sure, so, sure. So here's the thing. If you ever hear anyone tell you, if you get a lawyer, this deal's off the table. I'm telling you to get a lawyer because it's a bad deal. Who cares if it's off the table? Give me, give me some background to that. Why, do you, why are you saying that? Let's say you and I are in a contract dispute, right? And you tell me, Pete, Seth, I'm only going to pay you 10 grand. If you go get a lawyer, that's off the table. And I go get a lawyer, and my lawyer looks at it and says, 10 grand's a good deal. Are you now not going to do that, Pete? You were willing to do it 10 minutes ago. But the fact that I got some comfort in it, what do you care? It's still 10 grand to you, right? So, and I've never seen a case where someone said, I'm going to give you a sweetheart deal. And if you don't take it, if you go talk to a lawyer, you're going to get a crappy deal. And then if you actually look at the two deals, the first one wasn't really a sweetheart deal. And if you don't have the information to even do the analysis on whether it's a good deal or not, you can't accept it. I'm a, I think I'm a naturally skeptical person. So when I hear things like, if you get a lawyer, this great deal's off the table, my first instinct is, this is a terrible deal. They're hiding something. That's right. Absolutely. Have you ever, have you ever in your experience, heard those words and had them not actually be hiding something? That it was actually a sweetheart deal? Oh, I, I was about to say, I've had it where they weren't hiding anything. My client just might not have understood that it was a sweetheart deal. Yeah. I've never had it where it was a sweetheart deal. Okay. Never had it where it's like, if you go talk to a lawyer, this deal's off the table. The answer is like, well, then I guess the deal's off the table. Yeah, yeah. Because what they're doing is they're going to manipulate you with the things that they think are going to play to you saying yes. I'll pay all the bills for two years. Or I'll that's pay a terrible all the, deal. <laughs> right. Well, if you've been married for five minutes, that's a good deal. Yeah, I guess you've that's been, true. Context it, is everything. But you know, if you got you've got five kids and you're you you know, you don't you're not the major income earner in the family and you gotta figure out how to do that. And two years is nothing. And here's always a good response. I'm sorry if that deal's off the table because this is an important decision. And let's assume I want to accept that deal. I want to make sure that it's written up properly. I'm entering into a contract. I want a lawyer to write the contract for me. What's wrong with that? Yeah, nothing wrong with that. There will be if you're the one trying to protect something. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, I don't want anyone involved. And here's the main reason they don't want a lawyer involved. They lose control. Because now there's someone else in her ear or someone else in his ear, right? So how do you navigate that? 
How do you guide clients who are generally legitimately afraid of that conversation, of having to hide the conversation that they're even talking to an attorney for fear of retribution? How do you navigate that? I tell them simply, you're not required to have a lawyer. I strongly advise that you have one. And here's why. And I lay out a parenting plan, equitable distribution, alimony, child support, everything else. And I said, I don't even have the information to get this done. And I said, I will try to resolve your case. You are the decision maker. Your lawyers, I believe, should be telling you, if you want to make a bad deal, you're allowed to make a bad deal, but you should be informed about it. You should be informed about it. And let's say, I just, I, I just mean, take a step further that they say, okay, I know I need an attorney and I want to retain your services, but I'm terrified of navigating these very complicated waters. Is there something in the divorce process or can the law protect me in a way that, that ensures that I will still get some sort of a, a fair deal out of this? That is all about the communication with the lawyer. It's all about saying, yeah, look, with the information you're telling me, and the limited information I have in the 30 minutes I've been on the phone with you and you not knowing really all of your finances, here's what sounds good about this. Here's what sounds bad, but I need a little more information. I know that doesn't sound like a good answer. But you're, And then I'll tell them, do you like to bake? And they'll say yes. And I'll say, you've just said, Seth, how is the pie going to turn out? But I don't know all the ingredients yet. Yeah, sure. But to get over your fear which is what we're talking about, is acknowledge that you have the fear and now you have a choice. Are you going to be paralyzed by it and going to feel the same way you feel now a year from now? Or are you just going to roll over and sign anything to be out of this? Or are you going to run to a lawyer's office and say, I need help? And then... You can say this, and this is so easy for me to say and hard to do, live your life, not your divorce, right? It's in your head. It takes up every waking moment. You're worried about all this stuff. But the more information you have and the more we can unclutter things, the waters, make them more clear on what you have and how it all works in your jurisdiction, you're going to feel better. If you come to me and say, we bought the house during the marriage. My name isn't on it. I'm so afraid to lose the house. I'm going to tell you in Florida, you bought it with marital money. It doesn't matter that your name's not on the house. It's still marital property. (sighs) Okay, I feel better. He's saying he's going to take the kids from me and I'll never see them again. What's the worst thing you've ever, that he will ever say that you did to your kids? Not even what you did, just what he said. Make it up. What's the worst thing he's going to throw at you? What's that bomb? And then I'll tell you, you're not going to lose your kids. So having the information and making sure you get that information, which is power, because when they're harping on you and don't talk to a lawyer, don't talk to a lawyer, don't talk to a lawyer, they don't want you to have the information because they're trying to control you. And go talk to a few different lawyers and make sure it's a good fit. Right, right. And we've talked about that before, the value of talking to a number of different uh, attorneys, both, as you have said, strategically, and just having all the information that you you need to have. Yeah, but here's the other problem, which we haven't mentioned. I know you're thinking about this, Pete. I don't have money for a lawyer. 
there's a lot of anxiety built up in that because we've we've fetishized that attorneys are expensive practically in pop culture. Yeah. And they're horrible and ruthless and, you know. Yeah. You know, what do you call a hundred lawyers at the bottom of a pool? A good start. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's all these jokes, right? Yeah. So right. on on those notes, some lawyers won't talk to you without an initial consultation fee. Some will talk to you free of consult free free consultation. I do free consultations all the time. Okay. And like we talked about before, have your list of questions and give your attorney enough information for you to start getting the information you'd need. And then you can talk about the cost. And one of the questions is going to be, how do I pay for it? I have no access to any money, but you know, this is what I think my husband makes, or this is what I think my wife makes, or in talk through how they approach it. How quickly can we get in front of a judge to order that he has to pay some fees or to order that he's got to give me alimony or pay child support? Like, how long does that take? And what are the steps to get there? Um, what can I do in this craziness to make your job easier? Um, but that's a fear. And it is terrifying to call a lawyer. Most people have never dealt with lawyers. I get that that is a huge step. Like, oh my God, I talked to a divorce attorney. You should feel better at the end of that conversation. Not necessarily by what they're telling you is going to be, oh my God, you're going to be fine for the rest of your life or your kids are going to be amazing. But you should understand more in that understanding demystifies the process. And if something is unknown, we always think the worst. For that fear specifically, right? Calling the attorney, having never dealt with an attorney before. My hunch is that attorneys are experienced with talking to people who've never dealt with attorneys before. What is it that you do? Can you describe a little bit about how you set people at ease the first time they're talking to their attorney? Yeah, absolutely. You call me up, Pete. The first thing I'm going to ask you after I get through the conflict check and make sure I didn't talk to your husband 20 yeah, minutes ago, sure. right? What is your goal for this conversation? I am here to serve you today. What is your goal? Most people can't answer it. And they'll tell me, I want to make sure that I'm going to be safe and the kids are going to be fine. I said, I can't do that in this conversation. <laughs> what I can do is give you information. And I'll say, where are you in hiring a lawyer, have you talked to other lawyers? Is your goal to hire a lawyer today? And they'll be like, no. And I'll say, okay. My job and my goal today is not for you to hire me. Right. Okay. That I, I've got. That takes a lot of, of pressure off, right? Right. I've got plenty of work. And if we're not the right fit, I certainly don't want you to hire me. In fact, I might not let you hire me. Okay. But. I think what I do to put people at ease is meet them where they are. Are you afraid? What have you talked about? What's happening at home? What are you hearing? What are your goals? And then we start going through the process and I start giving them information. And I give them information in a way that I believe they're actually going to hear it. And then sometimes I'll pause and I'll make a little joke like unannounced pop quiz. And they'll be like, what? I said, yeah, you didn't expect that today. Yeah, right. And then I'll say, what did you just hear me tell you? What will happen in a parenting plan? And then they'll repeat it back. And I'm like, you got it. Or I'll be like, 
you know what? I understand why you said it that way. I don't think I explained it in a way that you understood. Let me try again. And now I'm taking ownership and responsibility. Okay? And then I play a game. Because you know me, Pete. I'm all about having fun. It's a game that I call bullshit. Oh, outstanding. Yep. And here's the game I play. I say to them, tell me what your spouse is telling you, and I'm going to have a response for you. Okay. My my spouse is telling me that the only deal that I get is the best deal that I'm ever going to get is by not hiring an attorney and just doing it, filing for a divorce right now and just being done with it and splitting everything on our own. Bullshit. I had a feeling that's what you were going to say. <laughs> You'll never see the kids. Bullshit. And after the second time, most people pick up on this game. <laughs> okay? Sure, sure. So, and the thing about that is they are just trying to manipulate and control the situation. And it actually usually comes from a place of insecurity on their side. Which I'm not saying, like, they're fearful, they're insecure, they, you know, they want to control, like, and especially if they're the abuser and you're the one saying, I want a divorce. But it also happens when they're abuser and they say they want the divorce. And then you're like, why do they care? They're the one. That, what? It still happens. The same dynamic. So call a lawyer. Ask them, how do you expect me to respond? How should I respond? Ask them this question. Will you ghostwrite some of my responses? Wait a minute. Who's You're asking the lawyer to ghostwrite responses that you'll give to your spouse on some of these things? Do it all the time. Would you ghostwrite my email for me going forward? Absolutely, I would love, Pete. Oh God, I would love that. For a small hourly rate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, again, should have seen but that coming. Now, imagine this. They call with this lengthy text and the lawyer says here's my advice on how i suggest you respond and then you take the lawyer's advice and now they're going to get something else back and let me tell you that person knows that something's changed because it wasn't what they were expecting okay and that is not a bad thing okay and um, it's also very interesting to then see what happens. And they actually, the, the abuser almost gets paralyzed. Because now, I, and I tell them, there's going to be blowback. This button that they've been pressing is no longer working. They don't just give up. They're going to press another button. And so let's talk about what you think that button is going to be. Are they going to take it out on the kids? Now we got to be very careful. Yeah, this is like next level from the fighting and bickering and uh, maybe emotionally abusive texting. This is like, I really am fearful that they're going to take our, my five kids and get in the van and take off. And I'm just not going to hear them anymore. Like that's a le- when that is a legitimate next step, that's that's in your head. And then I tell them that's a 911 call. Okay. Okay. There are certain things I can do as an attorney. There's a lot of things that I can't. What are your, yeah, let's, let, can you frame that box, the limitations that you have as an attorney? Let me tell you what I can do for you. I can give you advice and counsel on how to respond. I can give you information on the law once I get some of the quote unquote facts from your case, right? I can help you manage the process. I can give you resources 
like go get a counselor, focus on your kids. Let's work on our wording. I can do a lot of things to help you through the process in the legal process. I can file a motion and ask the judge to make a ruling. I can go to a hearing. Okay. But if you've got a guy coming at you and your family in the middle of the night and blowing up your phone at 11, 12, 1 a.m., I'm not going to be able to help you then. I might be able to talk you off a ledge and calm you down. And I've done that at those hours of the night. But call 911 or turn off your phone. Okay. Now, there are a lot of people out there, Pete, that think the lawyers can solve everything, but we have a lot of limitations because I can get you in front of a judge to have the judge make the decision and give an order. And then we still have to assume that the other side is going to comply with the order. And I go to court all the time about people not complying with orders. Okay. So think about what am I asking my lawyer to do today? And some my clients get it. Seth, I know that you can't do anything to help me today. I just want you to talk me off the ledge. I want you to make sure that I'm making the right decisions. Happy to do it. That's part of the being a counselor of law, right? Advising counsel. It's not always legal. It's like sometimes, hey, let's just think about and problem solve. Getting divorced is solving problems. Let's solve this problem, okay? What happens if people can't afford a lawyer? Legitimately can't afford a lawyer in abusive relationship. Okay. I'm now taking this to the next level. One, it's hard to do, but if you're being physically abused, call 911. Get out of the house. Almost everywhere, there are places that protect people from abuse. You can go find these um, in, in Hillsborough County. We have the spring where if you're abused, you can bring you and your children there and they'll give you a free place to stay. Okay. Uh, shelter, sort of anonymous kind of you're, you're, you're okay. You're protected. Yes. Look around and ask, is there any pro bono free legal services? Okay. What does that arrangement generally look like? Are you familiar with them? Like, uh, there are services that are funded, like foundation funding and that kind of thing. That Yep, Bay Area Legal Services. If you are at the poverty level below, they have some sort of intake, right? And they have enough capacity, they'll take your divorce case. If it's uh, domestic violence, they'll represent you in a domestic violence situation, Okay. Um, there's all sorts of free legal services out there uh, for the poor. And Pete, I never know. I know our numbers on who's listening to the podcast, but for people out there, let's be honest, to listen to a podcast, maybe you're downloading, you got an iPhone, the latest Android, whatever the case may be. Like, I don't know what the socioeconomic class is of people that listen to podcasts. But if you're out there, look for legal services that are free. Pro bono is another one to look at. And you can find these. Go to your local bar association and ask them. I know that in Tampa, they have um, Hillsborough County Bar Association does a free legal clinic. My associate participates in it. She gets on Zoom calls and they have a forms clinic to help people fill out the legal forms to file in court. They're out there. 
you you have to look a little bit. You have to call, and you you've got to look for help. Um, if you're ever involved in domestic violence, you can ask a police officer. Is there someplace I can stay that's safe? They're going to know the resources. Sure, sure. Uh, most important is I, I think that at, at least for me going through this conversation is to understand like where where those lines are in what you can do as an attorney once your services are engaged and if you're really terrified when the line is crossed that you need to actually bring law enforcement in to the process. And from there, I imagine uh, you're of great help. If you bring law enforcement involved, it's an abusive situation. The machine is started. The machine start. Now, let's be clear about something because people get this confused all the time. If there is domestic violence, a spouse hits the other spouse and law enforcement is called and come and let's say arrest the husband. That case on whether that husband gets charged with a crime does not happen by the police. It happens by the state attorney. That's the criminal setting. If the police come out and don't arrest anybody, you, the person who feels they've been the victim, can go to the state attorney and say, this happened, the police didn't arrest him, and they can do their own investigation, and they can bring charges against that person. You've seen it where police arrest someone and they don't get charged. Yeah, cases dropped. Cases dropped. That is a state attorney decision. The prosecutor has enormous amount of power. Now, same situation. Abuse in the home. Husband hits wife. The wife can file what we call in Hillsborough County a domestic violence injunction. Stay away from me. Temporary restraining order. That is between one party and another not dealing with the state. Okay, so they don't have to. They don't have to prove anything. They can. I mean, you have to prove it in court. You don't have a cop, and you don't have the state attorney, and you don't have a public defender. It's not a criminal case. Yeah, it's on the civil side. Okay, so where people might have heard of this before is we all remember the OJ trial. Yes, that was a criminal case. Okay, but then. The family sued OJ in civil court for wrongful death. Okay. And received money for that because that jury said he did commit this death. It now in the criminal case, they didn't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. This the the standard is different in a civil case. So if you are the victim of domestic violence and the police don't do what you expect them to do. You can call a lawyer and say, can I get a restraining order to keep them away or to protect the kids? If it's something against the children, there's another avenue to take. In Hillsborough County, we call it um, DCF, Department of Children and Family. Call your local um, whatever agency there is to protect children, and they can step in. So now you've got three avenues. You can call the cops. If You can call a lawyer and say, hey, is there a civil case to get a restraining order? Or you can call Department of Children and Family if it's against kids. And they all have different standards. And that's why it's so confusing to be dealing with the law. But there are resources out there. And I stress to people, if you're in these situations, 
you gotta use them. Now we've gone, and you a, don't need an attorney to do it. Not necessarily. Nope. There are other agencies out there that will give you representation. Now we've gone a long spectrum here today. We started with an angry text, and we end up in domestic violence, and it can happen that fast. And it can happen whether you're living in the same household, whether you're living under the same roof, or whether you've already separated and you're found a way to live apart. Like all of these things can 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 coexist. That's the cognitive dissonance of the divorce process. That's right, and it's not a steady stream going up. It's up and down, right? Um, but those are things. But I really just have to hit on this point again, Pete. It's on the texting and the communication so much is how you decide to respond differently than you have for all those years i make it sound easy and it's not especially after a few glasses of wine (laughs) (laughs) well i appreciate it Seth. this is a a gloomier topic than we have uh, gotten uh, used to but i think it's an important one and i think if you're showing up to this podcast uh, maybe this is something you just need to hear so please um you know take it to heart uh let us know if you have any uh, questions or comments we'd love to hear from you and uh, uh, thank you everybody on behalf of seth nelson uh, i'm pete wright we'll catch you next week right here on how to split a toaster a divorce podcast about saving your relationships Seth Nelson is an attorney with Nelson Coster Family Law and Mediation with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, How to Split a Toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of Nelson Coster. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.